Hey, Allie. Hey, Mary. How's it going? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Doing well, good. I mean, sick kids. I have, My kids are sick, but that's fine. Other than that, I'm good. How has yeah. your How's your week been? It's been good. good. Um, yeah. You got a work good. unexpected work meeting at night. I did. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That sounds not great. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're of the. I mean, not we're of the world. Sorry, that's a different H two L. The time machine. Let's discuss. Yeah. So let's do. Did it. you were you able to finish listening to it? Today? Uh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. All right. My jaw dropped at several. Oh, I gasped multiple times <laughs> for these last couple episodes. I was like, <gasps> actually, just right at the very end. When he, you know, when he leaves, like in the epilogue, or at the yeah, very yeah, end. Yeah. Okay. Oh well, okay. Not when he leaves, but well, I mean that was surprising too. But um, when the narrator says he left three years ago and hasn't been. Oh yeah. Hasn't been hasn't seen. come back. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. pretty crazy. Okay, so let's just kind of go through. I'm gonna say like the name of the ch- or like the chapter and basically what happens, and I want you to tell me like your reaction to the book at that point. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. So chapter one, it's what we would call the frame story. I learned today exactly. where we have the right narrator telling us about his meeting with a time traveler and stuff. So what yeah. are you, what are you thinking about the book at this point? So I um thought it was I I liked so I I liked this frame narrative mm-hmm. style and, and as it worked in the time machine. Typically I have been known to not like a frame narrative in okay. a book. Like um have you read Frankenstein? Yes. That's kind of the one of the biggest ones that sticks out to me. Um, but I don't. So, so I don't remember yeah, in like Frankenstein the, who's telling there's like frame. There's a couple different frames within. Okay. Like narratives within frames within frames. Okay. And to me, it doesn't add anything because what you remember of Frankenstein is like Frankenstein and the monster, and yeah, the creation of yeah, the monster, yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that, yeah. right? Yeah. And like the yeah. There's a whole part where, like, someone is discovered, like, the very beginning, a mm-hmm. guy is writing letters to his sister, I think, mm-hmm. and then in the letters, he talks about finding this guy in, like, they're on an expedition in, like, the North yes, Pole, yes, basically. Yes, yes, yes. So, that's, like, all yeah surrounding the story mm-hmm. of Frankenstein, and to me, that doesn't add anything, because um, it's not... I don't know. You that's not the part of the story that right. you remember. But in the time machine, it's a very important. The, the frame mm-hmm. is very important. So I, I, I at least it becomes what important at the about? end. I so I listened right. to the first few episodes just to kind of like remember because I had read those quite a while ago, and okay, it was interesting because I feel like there was a lot more detail about the people at the beginning, and it was like I just kind of felt like yeah, H.G. Wells just kind of got into writing these people like Philby and <laughs> the medical man, and then. I don't like he never returns to them. They don't have any other importance. Yeah, I mean, it was one. not a bad way to start. It was kind of humorous. Like the, that chapter ends. I caught Philby's eye over the shoulder of the medical man and he winked at me solemnly. So there's like a little bit of humor. Um, mm-hmm. So, OK. So at this point, you're thinking, all right, like we're going to have some time traveling. Yeah, like this is a mm-hmm. actually it was giving me very um, I was reminded of the prestige mm. and you know there's a lot of there were like nikola mm-hmm, tesla is mm-hmm. in that but it kind of felt felt like that like yes. very like late mm-hmm. 1800s invention the yep people 
people inventing things. Okay, and that chapter, I think, is when that, um, he does the little demonstration with the small time machine. And then chapter two, they all come to dinner and they say, where's the host? And, oh, he's going to be a little late. And then he shows up and he's like, uh, (laughs) the narrator says, one word, (laughs) have you been time traveling? (laughs) And then he says, yes, I have been. So what are you thinking now? You're like. Yeah. Um, well, and doesn't he show the flowers at that point? I believe too? so. Yes. Or it may be a little bit later, but um, and he has like he's kind of like uh-huh. dusty and and he looks tired. Yeah, I was thinking, OK, I guess he has been time traveling. Mm-hmm. And then chapter three really begins with the time travel narrative and it doesn't end until at least the second to last chapter, maybe the epilogue. No, it's the it's yeah. the last chapter. It continues on, and then the epilogue is just when the narrator speaks again. So the frame story is done. He goes to the future eight hundred and two thousand seven hundred and one. <laughs> that shocked yeah. me actually. I thought it was going to be in like you know the the two thousands or right, or something. Right. But but it's no. very far. And then there's like the white sphinx, and there's the. He struck me as being a very beautiful and graceful creature, but indescribably pale. So he first meets the little creatures. So what are, what are you thinking now? So I really did not know how to picture either the El mm-hmm. Boy, yeah. is that what they're called? Or the, what are the other? Uh, Morlocks. Yeah. Morlocks. Yeah. I didn't... Um, I think I kind of maybe missed some of the description Mm -hmm. of them when it was first described. And so I just was like picking up Mm -hmm. information Mm -hmm. as I was going along. And so are, so they're kind of like humanoid sort of. Yeah, they're definitely like the, well, the, the, um, Eloy, we don't learn their name until later, but they're definitely like, um, little humans. I mean, they don't, they, he, they, yeah, there's no question that they're humans. Um, right. He, they don't have the same language that we have, but they are definitely uh, like unequivocally, uncontroversially human to the tra- time traveler. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But they're like they almost struck me as being like Munchkins, like in um, yeah, Odyssey, in Oz, <laughs> not Odyssey, Oz, like <laughs> you know, like this kind yeah. of porcelain China little mm-hmm. curly hair. Like, almost, like, too perfect looking. Okay, so then, like, you know, they live in these houses, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Communism, I said to myself. And he's like, ah, okay, so it must be that they have triumphed over nature and they just have sort of succeeded Mm -hmm. as a human race. At this point, Mm -hmm. are you like, okay, like, I mean, I think I was like, yeah, interesting. Okay, like, I didn't really suspect something deeper was going on i was right. just like okay what's gonna right. happen with these little people yeah yeah same but then mm-hmm. he says at the end very simple was my explanation and plausible enough as most wrong theories are mm-hmm. I, I thought that was interest an interesting quote okay yeah. so then i feel like you start texting me around uh uh like chapter five with your daily reflections chapter five mind blown yeah you said chapter five was like shocked face shocked face shocked face so my question for you is what were you feeling at that point 
<laughs> yeah, I well, okay, so what happens in chapter five? I don't even remember. Oh, well, just that, like, so he figures out that um, there are other creatures and they are, like, the Illuminati mm, are scared mm-hmm, of them and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think was probably one of the things. And that there were, um, yeah, that they lived underground and that they had taken the time machine. I don't know if that's when it was. Yeah, no. um, that's yeah. when he kind of discovered that. But, whoa, I was like, uh-oh, this is not going to yeah. go well. Yep. Okay, so. And Wena's, like, mm-hmm. scared of them. So, you know, you you can tell they're not Friendly. friends. When I was, yeah. I have this very distinct memory. This is so random. But it was the day after, well, it was New Year's Eve, 2005. Okay. I remember this because mm. the, the link stayed with us, and I had to, I submitted my application to Bryan College the next that day, mm-hmm. and Samantha and Jordan Link and I went and saw a movie in the theaters, like after we dropped after I dropped it off in my little car, white car, and the mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. we saw was King Kong, and I was like, okay, cool, like a monster mm-hmm. story. Okay, so they go. I don't know if you've ever seen that. 2005 King Kong movie, but they go to the island, and I'm thinking, okay, island with like creature, like with animals right and then like there are humans there that are creepy like creepy natives and I was like so terrified because I was like I think if I had thought (laughs) there was going to be natives I would have been expecting Mm -hmm. it and I was just like okay here are the natives but because I didn't expect it at all I had this like visceral fear of like (laughs) "Ah." and the the little kid is really creepy but like Ah, that's kind of the feeling I got when I was reading this was like, and obviously that moment has stayed with me because like, I remember it so clearly. Right. And I, I mean, I liked the rest of the movie, but that specific moment of like, I did not expect this and thus it is terrifying uh-huh. was kind of what I felt right, about the Morlocks right. of like, oh, the Aloy, like they're, you know, these little people, you don't even know their name at that point. Like, oh, nature, flowers. And then you're like, oh boy. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 Yeah, they're like it's kind of the idea that there can't be just a perfect mm-hmm. utopian society. There's always an underbelly, kind of an undercurrent yeah. of something. Yeah, yeah. So doesn't he say too that um, he realized that there that people are or some creatures are living underground, and it's kind of like the Kentucky yes, case. He does. Yep. Doesn't uh-huh. doesn't he say that? Yeah. I thought he did. I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool. Hashtag Kentucky yeah. girls. <laughs> Awkward. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who says hashtag anymore? Not me. Definitely. I don't. I don't say that. <laughs> and, I never yeah. say that. <laughs> I've never used a hashtag in my life. Actually. Just kidding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> bring me back, Mary. Bring me back. Okay. So that was all in so chapter five. Weird. It was pretty long. And then chapter six. Yeah. He goes down into, with his little supply of matches, he goes down into the shaft and sees there's machinery. Mm-hmm. And then interestingly, um, I'm trying to find the spot. He says something that is becomes clear later. Mm. He says something about them eating meat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he see mm-hmm. blood? Too? He says, Some way down the central vista was a little table of white metal laid with what seemed a meal. The Morlocks, at any rate, were carnivorous. Even at the time, I remember wondering what large animal could have survived to furnish the red joint I saw. 
um, like a joint mm-hmm. of meat. So, uh huh, right. Creepy. Especially even like reading it again, it's creepy because at the first you're like, okay, and now you're like, oh, right. I know what that's. F-. Yeah, like you don't know what kind of meat mm-hmm. it is at that point, and you could make an educated guess, but I don't think I did. I just kind of skimmed over it. I was like, okay, you know. Da, 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 da. Right. And like the main, the author just throws it in there. Like the main creepy thing is he's in the dark with these creepy humanoid yeah. things. And then only later do you realize mm-hmm. like how dark <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. then. Have you ever been in like, well, I'm sure, I don't mean, know you have where just in the cave and they, you turn yes. out all the lights. Like that's so, um, it's such a different type of yeah. It's like dark. <laughs> presses in on you. I so mm-hmm. with the samples one time. I don't think you went, but maybe you did. I don't think you did. We went and camped overnight in Saltpeter Cave, and oh yeah, <laughs> I have lots of memories about this too. So it was so <laughs> disorienting. We were in the cave for I think about eighteen hours. This was the cave where Mr. Sampley found oh, the dead goodness. body, but it was a different part of the cave. Right. So already there you have a little like right. creepiness. So we like hiked in, found yeah. the big opening. We walked in and we walked back and there's like a wet side and a dry side. So we went on the dry side that kind of goes up and then we found this kind of cavern mm-hmm. area and we set up camp. And so we were in there. We had tents, which we didn't really need, but I think we had kind of decided like we're going to use tents because that just feels more cozy. Yeah. And like we went to right. sleep, but like. It was so weird waking up in the middle of the night because there were absolutely no clue, like cues as to how long yeah, you had been no asleep or awake mm-hmm. or, you know, like there wasn't any like changing light right. or changing insect sounds. It was just exactly the same when you went to sleep as when you woke up. And I just yeah. remember thinking like, I really have no idea what time it is. And it was such a weird feeling. And the one thing, the key mm-hmm. thing I remember about that trip yeah. is I didn't pee the whole time. Because, like, the plan for that was just go off. Oh, there's plenty of places you can kind of go off alone. Every time I tried to do that, I just, like, right. got stage fright or whatever. And I just could not release my urine. And so by the, end, the next <laughs> yeah, day, we got yeah, up yeah. and we, like, did some exploring. And we went down the wet side and we explored around there for a while. But the whole time, I – oh, my goodness. So we got oh home. I remember – I that remember when he was visiting, and I think all the little girls, like, I, I don't think Beth or Anne were there, or you were there. Y'all were all home with mom, and, yeah, like, Aunt yeah. Wendy was there, and she's like, hey, girls, and I was like, bathroom, bathroom, bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was just, but I remember after being in there for a long time, like, you just felt like, I want to see the sun. <laughs> like, I, this is not yeah, natural. Yeah, this is yeah. not what I was designed for. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Have you ever, mm-hmm. like, what's the longest you've spent in a cave? um not very long just i don't know that's a good question i've never stayed overnight okay. in in a cave i think you should do that's it now sure. and imagine yeah. the morlocks the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> creepy <laughs> so at so at what point do they start going on They're like their journey journey because i i I kind of thought that mm-hmm. was the most interesting part of so he his he time sees the Morlocks experience. and then in chapter seven it's that's in chapter six and then basically he's like so he says now I felt like a beast in a trap whose enemy would come upon him soon the enemy I dreaded may surprise you it was the darkness of the new moon and so he's mm-hmm. like I need mm-hmm. to get away and make a plan and that's when he decides to go yeah. to the palace of the green porcelain and then when he gets there he realizes that it's some sort of like museum 
and he like kind of learns yeah. more about I don't actually you have to remind me because I didn't listen to this it's been a while like what mm-hmm. what what do you think is added he, to the story from that portion um well I it may kind of be that there's because they're in a museum it can show like what's old you know mm-hmm. what's considered old like he finds some matches mm-hmm. which he's really excited about in one of like the cases camphor, and he finds which some i guess is some sort of flammable and... i don't really know what that is yeah yeah and then oh, i thought it was funny how he said one of the sets of matches were there that he was so upset that they're the type that you have to right. strike against the box mm-hmm. like you couldn't you know that was kind of a funny thing but um and I'm sure there were other descriptions of, of things in the museum that I just didn't pick yeah, up. Yeah, there's a lot of but, um, machinery. But it, 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 it kind of, like, yeah. Um, but it really gives him, yeah. I mean, the key thing he gets from it is more matches in the camphor. And also a, yeah. a journey back through the creepy woods, you know. But I don't really right, remember right, why right. he decides... To go, to go he decides. Oh, because he sees the the Morlocks there, right? Because he thinks it's going to be... Oh, yeah. It's, it's just... He, at this point, I just feel like almost like the trap is closing in. Because it's this increasing feeling yeah, of, yeah. like, trapped and helpless. Because he's like, I have to get away. Yeah. I have to go make a plan. I'm going to go to the Palace of the Green Porcelain. And then he realizes, okay, they're here, too. So... I think then right. he decides to go back to where and the he, time machine is. Because he's like, I just need to get out of here. Right. Right. Yeah, because so is he trying to both get away, like save himself from the Morlocks and also find the time machine so he can get out of that? I think time, so. I think basically. he's like, I just like his I just need to get out of dual. here. Like I've seen the future. It's not yeah. Like it's kind of terrifying, and I'm ready to go home now. Right. Yeah. Or I mean, maybe not yeah. home. Maybe go somewhere else in time because that's what he eventually does. He goes forward. Right. Which, which is really yeah, interesting yeah. portion. Yeah. It is interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really um, interesting. Um, the the way that he was able to escape from the Morlocks in the time machine was kind of like a catastrophe. Okay, remind me what think? a catastrophe means. It's like um, the opposite of a catastrophe where something amazing oh, and yeah, that yeah, saves yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. entire mm-hmm. situation happens kind yeah. of unexpectedly yeah. or, or out of nowhere. And like, I'm sure the Morlocks we've got him thought, now. We've, I mean, we've right, yes. we've pinned him in, but yep. he just disappears yep. into another. Yep, I couldn't time. help but think at that point that really that last of so the the forest scene and then the back in the like pedestal of the Sphinx and the time machine and him escaping that would have that would be a good movie scene or it could be like yeah, I would like I, I totally that totally. that's like horror thriller right there like you could <laughs> a good director yeah, for could sure do a lot with that um yeah yeah it would be yeah and then there's like this sort of postscript to that adventure where he goes and sees the end of the world which is i mean from a scientific perspective that's really interesting to me like i mean you hear about Mm -hmm. like okay the this you know the sun is a star and stars have life cycles and some stars will you know explode into supernovas and some will cool off and become eventually become you know red dwarf stars so it's like and our sun will be probably become a red dwarf or whatever i can't remember actually but it'll get bigger and so (laughs) like just 
a human seeing that to me was just a really interesting Mm -hmm. just science as fiction like we have a fiction story and it's like teaching almost like teaching something about science and then hypothetically like and then also so i read about hg wells some today and his early training it was in biology which is very interesting to me because he does have a lot of biological like he has social commentary but then a lot of it is you know evolutionary right thought and then at the end like he has evolutionary ideas about like the green moss like thing and then the like creature out in the ocean that's like flapping around and stuff like that so Mm. it's very Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that 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 chapter gave me like a feeling more than like i don't know i just felt like it was Mm -hmm. very atmospheric almost or just like it just felt very yeah full of wonder and awe and like a hush almost i don't know i'm just trying to explain the the feeling that i felt yeah the feeling that it gave um Mm -hmm. i thought that the crab like (laughs) creature okay remind me of that like (laughs) i think that captured a lot of my attention well i don't remember the specific description but he like he lands on this is it like mm-hmm, a beach mm-hmm. kind of thing and he sees this i think it i think he describes it as like mm-hmm, a large yes, crab like yeah. creature which um i imagine you know how like in movies they'll like pan over to like another scene and it's just like a crab like <laughs> sitting yes. somewhere like like being annoying that's kind of what i <laughs> thought of but it was um it was a yeah. Okay, let me read this. Part. I thought yeah. As I stared at this sinister apparition crawling toward me, which was a crab as large as yonder table, I felt a tickling on my cheek as though a fly had lighted there. I tried to brush it away with my hand, but in another moment it returned, and almost immediately came another by my ear. I struck at this and caught something thread-like. It was drawn swiftly out of my hand. With a frightful qualm, I turned and I saw that I had grasped the antenna of another monster crab that stood just behind me, like ah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're oh everywhere God, and it says yeah, it, and then he so says bad. um in a moment my hand was on the lever and i had placed a month between myself and these monsters which is just so interesting like that mm. he uses Smart. that yeah. Yeah. language yeah. so like casually but that's really the whole like that's the mm. one interesting that's the one leap of imagination the readers asked to make is the the time movements thing right so, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, and then he, yeah, then he comes back and he's like, he just says, "So I came back," and then he sees. Okay, I loved. Do sorry you, to interrupt you, but I loved that it, it's it's de- description. No, it's like I, Mrs. Watchett had walked across the room, traveling as it seemed to me like a rocket. As I returned, I passed again across that minute when she traversed yes. the laboratory. Oh my goodness! But now her every motion appeared to be the exact inversion. Of, so. We're really familiar with that because we've seen yeah. movies played backwards. But I just wonder at this time, was he right. drawing on a oh, that's good common knowledge of like a film reel played backwards? Or like was that just kind of a right. whole new idea to his readers, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like they would have had some notion of what that would look like, would have seen it yeah, before. I mean, but probably. I don't know. Yeah, that's that. a great So question. sorry, what were you going to say? But not as much as us, like, rewinding right. entire, like, VHSs, you know, watching yeah. the whole movie in reverse. Um, well, I thought it was interesting how he just, you know, you talked about how he describes the his friends who were mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. dinner with him eventually. Um, and there's 
different kind of professions yeah. like represented. I don't know. I, I assume mm-hmm. that he did that on purpose, like the medicine mm-hmm. guy and the news guy. And the, what is the narrator? Do we I know? Like I the, don't remember. Let me. I don't remember that either. But I thought that was, and then their reactions, each of those men's reactions to mm-hmm. his tale, I thought were interesting. I think, I think at one point the narrator mentioned something about being kind of like a man of books or a, a learned man, but I don't think that he oh, okay. really describes any further. Um, yeah. I feel like it's in... That could be... The fact that he's the one who actually believes the time traveler could be kind of a... Uh-huh. Like a clue know. to that. Okay, here's yeah. what here's what this is. This is why I'm thinking that. he. This is on page 14 of my copy... He says, for my own part, I was particularly preoccupied with the trick of the model. That I remember discussing with the medical man whom I met on Friday at the Linnaean. Okay, so the, I have a footnote in my edition that says the Linnaean is the Linnaean Society of London hosting forums on biology and natural history. So that's why I thought that uh-huh. he's kind of a scientist-ish. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So then he just goes off. We uh, doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't say if he goes into the yeah. past or the future. Um. Right. What? What? Where do you think um, he went? My phone. Do you have any? Ten percent battery left. Um. Uh. I don't, I don't know. So there's actually a. Yeah. I don't. I think this was in two thousand one. I let me see if I noted this. But there's there's a mini series that that imagines H. G. Wells is the time traveler. And so it so and okay. it has him mm-hmm. going and doing different mm-hmm. things, which I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, that is interesting because, yeah. like, it could be, like, he, H. G. Wells doesn't claim to be the narrator, but like, it would somewhat match up. Like, right. it's not a crazy leap of thought to say that H. G. Wells is the narrator. Okay, let me tell you a few things uh-huh. about H.G. Wells uh-huh. because I found this really interesting. We were marveling okay. about this at dinner when I was mm-hmm. telling Jeremy some of this, so. Um, he was trained in biology under one of his professors was Thomas Huxley, who is a really famous evolutionary, early evolutionary biologist. Um, he was kind of from yeah. a poor family and like he he kind of made his own way in the world. He was apprenticed at various times um, because his parents like needed their sons to support them um, after a family business failed. And like he kind of I feel like his academic career just was like in fits and starts like he. <laughs> He would start college and then have to stop okay. for a while and then start again. But he eventually, like, obviously learning was important to him because he eventually did get his bachelor's but I in science but I or, like, in some sort of scientific-related field. But I actually think he had started being a journalist before that. And so he, oh, he actually wrote okay. really prolifically as a journalist, so much so that it's thought that – and, like, he didn't – sign his name to everything he wrote because he was writing for so many like daily papers and a lot of works of his are just um, you know we just don't know that they're his or they're lost yeah. because he was just lost. really a jerk like he was always right. kind of his bread and butter and then so he got married and then to his cousin i think and then he he was a teacher of off and on too of like great at school like he just was kind of like itinerant like he just did a lot of different things but obviously he was really creative um as we'll see so he 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 married this girl and then he divorced her after about four years because he was in love with one of his students 
So then he went and lived with his student Uh-oh. and had a couple children with her. I don't think he had any children with his cousin. And then um, I think he married the student in, two, in um, nine, 1894, if I'm remembering correctly. And then he, like, okay. had this majorly prolific period. So in... 1980 sorry 1895 he publishes his first published novel which is the time machine which is actually considered a novella Mm -hmm. um it's pretty short then the next year he publishes the island of dr moreau which is a really famous book and it's it deals with a lot of biological ethics the 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 island this doctor goes to has a lot of strange animals and he like attempts to make like animal hybrids through vivisection like cutting animals up while they're alive and mm-hmm. stitching them together in an attempt to make a human so it's kind of like frankenstein-y but like so he like addresses a yeah. lot of like societal like ethics issues and that then the next year he publishes the invisible man which i believe i have read it's like a guy accidentally turns himself invisible yeah and he deals with that problem <laughs> Whoops. I know, right? I and then the next ends. year, in nineteen or 1898, mm-hmm. he publishes The War of the Worlds. And then he publishes... Okay. The, uh, in, three years later, Anticipations, which apparently was... I don't know much about that, but apparently it was his most popular novel at the time. And then in 1901, oh, he wow. also publishes The First Men on the Moon, which was more di- more directly inspiration for C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy than this book was. I just happened to own okay. this book, <laughs> and it was his sure. first book. But yeah. um, that was all in a six-year period. And the, he, Wells himself, called these his wow. scientific romances. And so he – I don't think the term science mm. fiction even existed. And interestingly, the term time yeah. machine did not exist until he created it. So this idea of a device that you can what? travel at will forward and backwards in time was really his idea. And was he his. gave that name. I mean, I feel like someone else would have thought of it eventually. But, like, the name – the time machine comes really from this book and then there's some other like he's had some really interesting effects on a lot of things like science fiction wise so obviously um right where the world is like an early like alien science fiction um i think first man on the moon is kind Mm -hmm. of an early space science fiction but he later in life he explained what became known as wells's law which is only change one thing so let me i wrote it down so wells's law a science fiction story should only contain one extraordinary assumption and so he says um and this is a quote from him as soon as the magic trick has been done the whole business of the fantasy writer is to keep everything else human and real touches of prosaic detail are imperative and a rigorous adherence to the hypothesis um i guess also is imperative um, extra fantasy outside the cardinal assumption immediately gives a touch of irresponsible silliness to the invention. So that's how he says that he makes hmm. like um, the science fiction feel plausible. Um, he also right like he is famous for making the plausible seem in the 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 plausible impossible is how people have described him. So he added a sense of realism okay. to his works that was yeah. really capturing mm-hmm. for the the reader um sure so i thought that was really interesting and yeah um he okay so just a few other crazy things about him he in addition mm-hmm. to marrying his student well, he did marry her eventually and then i i think they stayed married until he or she died whoever died first he had he carried on multiple affairs he was definitely a a man of the oh. world and 
that sense. He included, yeah. including an affair with Margaret Sanger, who like founded Planned Parenthood, and like, like just oh wow, prolifically <laughs> affairing. Yeah, and he he fathered <laughs> he, he two knew, children out of wedlock yeah. hmm. with two of the women that he had affairs with. But like at very anyway, so that was interesting. Um, and then wow. he like wow. later mm-hmm. in his life he became really so this was published like pretty early in his career so I can't remember when he was born he died in okay he died in forty six when he was eighty so he was born in sixty six so he published these books when he was like twenty twenty one twenty two like wow. he was just like yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. turning it out and then he had sixty That's years crazy. after that and what like, he did with those years is like. He was a well-known figure. Like, he was on the cover of Time magazine for being a writer, like, in the early uh-huh. 1900s. Okay. He was – but he was kind of like a – he was a public figure for being a thinker, I think. And he he had some, like – and so the introduction okay. to okay. my book, like, really describes that he he would swing between feeling really positive about, like, a possible good future and really hopeless about, like, the inevitable – an inevitable bad future. Mm. And some of his books show one right. or the other. And this one is That's kind of – fascinating. More the bad. More the bad. Where he's really yeah, commenting on, yeah. like, the stratification of society and what that could lead to. Where, like, the right. under cl- the underclass and the upper class kind of. Um, yeah. Yeah. A powerful yes, um, indeed. commentary. Indeed. A couple other things. Mm-hmm. He met mm-hmm. both Lenin and Stalin in person. He, he interviewed Stalin oh, as wow. a three-hour interview in a capacity as a journalist, which was a very rare occurrence for, like, a Western journalist. Huh. Um, his books were burned yeah. by Nazi youth, which I thought was cool. I don't know. Like, mm. that's a mark of, like, if the Nazis don't yeah, like you, maybe you you're go. doing something right. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. So I have some, some other things. Sorry, I'm just throwing random stuff at you, but I just thought it was so interesting. Um, no, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Churchill was an avid reader of H.G. Wells. And as early as... Um, uh-huh. So in 2000, or sorry, 1906, so this is early in Wells's career and early in Churchill's career, he said to Wells that he owes him mm-hmm. a great debt for his thinking about social issues. And then... Um, oh, interesting. Churchill uses a phrase in one of his public addresses during World War II when he's like the figurehead of the nation, the gathering storm. And that is a phrase that Churchill... Mm. Got. Like, I don't know if it was intentional or just like he had absorbed it, but that's a phrase that is used right, in the War of the Worlds. And... and so people think that like that is oh, where that kind of like got into Churchill's vocabulary. Um, yeah. G.K. Chesterton said, I thought this was really interesting. Mr. Wells is a born storyteller who has sold his birthright for a pot of message. And I think he's referencing mm. that Wells's later works, like it's. I don't think it's a coincidence that his early works are the ones he's best known for, because that was when he was in like storytelling okay. mode. But then he goes into like almost this nonfiction philosophy, like um, okay, social commentary, and like, and then he he did write mm-hmm. some novels that didn't have a science fiction element that were more like kind of Charles Dickens, Dickensian, like like. You know, uh-huh. the story of a working class boy being an apprentice, like, which was somewhat autobiographical, right. but like, right, right. that wasn't really where he's shown, like he's shown in his storytelling. Um, uh-huh. 
George Orwell said the minds of all of us and therefore the physical world would be perceptively different if Wells had never existed. So one thing he's well known for is his Mm. uh, fairly amazingly accurate predictions of the future because he was known as a futurist because he like thought about what would the future be like. And so he's said to have predicted, I didn't write a list down, but like atomic bombs, um, the increasing dependence on the automobile and how that would change society even something that some people oh, say wow. is kind of like a Wikipedia. It's called the he called it something like the global mind. It was like a compendium of knowledge. Um, there huh. there are other ones, but like, isn't that interesting? <laughs> Jeremy was like, it yeah, makes you wonder if the time traveler was really a fiction story. <laughs> um, okay, and I'll just leave you with this, and then you can respond. I know I've just like talked at you, but he wanted his no, epitaph to read. I told you so. You damned fools. <laughs> like two two sentences. I told you so, I mean, period. You damned fools with a damned, damned in, uh, italics. I don't think that that's oh, what his family amazing. put on his tombstone, but I just think that shows like oh, his... Oh, why not? Uh, I don't know. Hubris? Yeah. Sass? Like he was just... I mean, yeah. I don't... Yes. When I was yeah, reading about him, he like didn't really strike me. me as a humble person. <laughs> um... <laughs> well, the, yeah, the time traveler didn't really seem no, humble. No, super I mean, humble. Not really. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't feel like we really got to know the time traveler as a character very much. Yeah. So that's a good point. I guess. I feel like he thought he was going to try to save, like. Uh, well, his. I guess he was just trying to save himself. I don't really. But I thought it was kind of funny how he, or not funny, but odd how he was like, I've decided to take Wiener yeah. with me. I was like, that, that, that's a bad time. idea. Don't do Like, that. okay, Come well, on. right. And what yeah, does she have to I say know. about it? You know. That. Well, all that stuff is very interesting about his life. I didn't know any of that. And it's um, enlightening. Yeah, I thought it was, it kind of makes me want to read more yeah. um, of mm-hmm. his books. He actually... So H.G. Wells met Orson Wells, no relation, who did the famous radio adaptation of War of the Worlds and really made that okay. mm-hmm. book more popular than it had been because it was kind of like one of his lesser known works. Um, That's yeah. interesting. So, um... I like how he um, tried to think, th- well, I don't know much about this, but based on what you said, thoughtfully about Mm -hmm. what the Mm -hmm. future may look like and then tried to depict that in his works like i think other um but but he you know at least in the time machine i haven't read any of his other books but his future is very 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 exactly far off from Mm -hmm. like in the grand scheme of things or where we're at right now um us being i guess 21st century readers and a century writer yeah a 19th century author yeah um, I was reading, uh, mm-hmm. do Android mm-hmm. stream of electric sheep a while back and it is set, supposed to be set in, you know, the future in mm-hmm. like a dystopian kind of, um, America and where people mm-hmm. have colonized mm-hmm. Mars and, and things like that. And there's been a, it's kind of post yeah. atomic bomb, like fallout and it's supposed to be set in 2018 <laughs> or 2019. It's, I think. Yeah, it's an so, interesting. You know, like I, mean, we, I we're, don't we're think not H. Wells was yeah. probably thinking this far ahead, but it's interesting that because he made it so far in the future, like we can read it almost just the same as his original 
audience could because like it's essentially yes, right, the same because it, we're nowhere right? like it's yeah we're nowhere yeah. close <laughs> yeah. to it and the, so yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. fairly timeless in that way yeah. by the time you get to year i don't know 18 and 100 <laughs> 1800 and 1000 maybe people will start questioning it right, but you know right i kind of feel like we're not gonna get there so but yeah for various reasons <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. so i yeah i just thought that was uh, I was like, okay, I, I believe you. Like, we are like the the world is doesn't change as fast as yeah. we think it's going to. So be, we're just still. Dealing it would be with really so interesting to know, things. like, what he thought the time traveler would see if he went to, let's say, twenty one hundred. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I would love to know, you know, what his predictions would be. Yeah. yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. The task of the time traveler. Anything else you want to say about it? Um, I don't think so. It was a fascinating read. I'm glad you chose it. Thanks. I mean, one reason I chose it was because yeah. it was short, but I'm glad I read it. It was well. There we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was good. I'm, yeah, honest. I'm glad to have read it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to share what um book I've chosen? Ooh, I do. Next? Please, please do. Okay. Well, I think this isn't a surprise to you actually, but um, I have chosen to read Persuasion <gasps> by Jane Austen. I'm really excited though. You didn't tell me for sure. Like you told me you were thinking. Okay. About it. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Cause okay. At book yeah. club that was pitched, but not chosen. And when they were mm. talking about like what, like kind of reminding, at first I was thinking Sense and Sensibility. And then I was like, when I uh-huh. remember this word Persuasion, I was like, yes, that's so good. <laughs> like it's, it's such, so it's good. her oldest heroine. Like, okay, oh, so what So what made you want to read it? So, well, it's one of my favorite books, just like period, period yeah. in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't really love to reread books unless it just a, I have just a few books that I mm-hmm. am, will happily reread um, and Persuasion is one okay. of them. So um, how, how recently have you read it? It's been a while. I, okay. I don't think I've read it. Hmm. feel like I've had some connection to it as an adult so I feel like I've read it okay. since I was like a teenager but okay my most strong memory of persuasion and I think I'm remembering it correctly and not sense and sensibility I think it was persuasion mm-hmm. Samantha and I spent one whole day where we were supposed to be doing our homeschool work but we just cleaned <laughs> our room and mom kept oh, letting us do that because we were listening to persuasion <laughs> and, and um. now as a mom now I'm like yeah she was just glad we were occupying ourselves right but right. like we kept finding other things to do in our room because we just wanted to keep i think we spent like six hours that day it was like on like actual tape like cassette tape (laughs) yeah and i oh yeah we used to listen to that version from the library even even in my year it was kind of like a a flat Mm -hmm. flatter one like yeah so i really love that book so i'm glad you're gonna read it i do it's gonna be really fun i feel like it's just gonna be like a really girly like (laughs) Like we've gone from like some oh my goodness, heady so like, Poe is like <laughs> like really weird and the time machine. But let's let's like let's retreat into yeah. some like feminine spheres now. So that's it's funny that you say that because it is so I was thinking the same thing and when I got I went to Barnes and Noble and got just bought myself a copy because mm-hmm. I don't even own one. And um there were several I think two or three different versions mm-hmm. of it, you know, and um all three of them were 
pink. It had pink covers <laughs> yeah. of some sort. I thought you were going to say you. Like I thought you were going to say there was one that looked really girly, and I was going to say, okay, so which one did you choose? Did you go with the girly well, one? Well, the they were all girly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I as you know, I am not a very girly girl. Like I'm sitting here in my closet right now, just as an example. I see like one pink shirt. Like I have a lot of neutrals uh-huh. and stuff, but yeah. because I have only sons, I will typically buy myself pink things if there's an option just because it's like I like a diversity of color and it's the, I'm the only there person in the family who's going to have it. You have a lot of it. blue probably a around you. A lot of yeah. blue. That's like the default <laughs> color. But yeah. like I have a pink phone charger. I have a pink water bottle even though it's not like my Aww. favorite. I'm just like I'm going to get You just have to I'm put your mark pink. on it. Yeah. So I That's right. Yeah, so it's not a problem yeah. to have a pink book. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I've actually been um not recording but just reading straight reading <laughs> and I you have so to read it to me have... that's the whole point yeah, like... I know, I know. <laughs> how long um, do you think it's gonna take you uh that's a good question hold, hold on one second i'm i'm retrieving the pink book right okay. now so it is to see how many pages it's 235 pages okay, that's not so terribly it'll probably long take honestly maybe, maybe two weeks um maybe two weeks or I mean, Maybe you can make the ten to twelve days. You can make the episodes longer than twenty minutes if you want. Like, I think that's fine. Okay, okay. But whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously more work for you. So whatever you want to do. But I, man, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's gonna be good. So fun. I'm glad you're excited. Yeah, it's such a good book. <laughs> and I have actually, and it is different. I already told you one of my books I'm doing, but two upcoming book club books are out of copyright. So I'm going to be reading those. Like, our October and our November books are out of copyright. So I'm going to be awesome. reading those. Like double dipping there we go book podcast with sister book club local book club with friends there we go there we go yeah so yeah i love it all right well smart smart smart. thanks for talking it was really fun this it was a wild ride of a book i'm glad we went on it Mm -hmm. all right well have a great rest of your week (laughs) you're welcome thanks Thanks for listening (laughs) okay love you love you bye bye